Yeah, so tonight we are going to be looking at, at Hebrews 11, because I think that Hebrews 11, some of you may be familiar with it, it really shows us practically what living by faith looks like and what that has meant really for just generations of people that have walked on this earth, because God has really seen his people through a lot, uh, and he's remained faithful. And, and so we're going to dive in, and I'm going to give you guys a minute to get there either in your Bible or on your computer. Because Hebrews 11 is really long, but we are going to read the whole thing. So once you guys get there, if you could even just kind of stick a thumbs up so I, I know that you guys are there, and then I'll start reading. Yeah, Hebrews 11. All right, Zach is ready. I see two thumbs up. All right, I'm getting there. All right, cool. So, so it's long, but I want to read the whole thing. And as I read it, I want you guys to really picture these people as people, like not just characters from an Old Testament story that you might have heard when you were a kid, but really think about them as living, breathing human beings with hopes and fears and emotions. Um, and just, just try to think of them as humans as I read. So here we go. Hebrews 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen and not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. 
By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were... My pages are sticking together. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Hmm. Thanks for reading. So our hope is that this passage tonight is, is a, a timely word for us all. Uh, I realize that, um, you know, things are just a, a bit uh, abnormal for, for everyone. And, you know, some people are, are totally fine and other, maybe some other people are, are a little more worried. Um, but Hebrews 11, it, it gives us three helpful principles um, that we can that we can keep in mind and maybe even apply right now, or certainly at some point in our lives, they will be very helpful. And so these three principles, um, if you're a note taker, they're going to have three points. The first one is that our, our current place is not our home. 
Uh, the second one is that the world is uncertain. And the third one is that God is providing something better. So the first is that our current place is not our home. The world is uncertain. God is providing something better. So let's take these in turn. First, point number one, our current place is not our home. If you guys check out verses 14 and 15, the author, he, he just shared the stories of Noah and Abraham. And uh, Noah, he, he built a, a large boat, which I'm sure you guys are a lot of, a lot of you are familiar with, uh, because God told him to, uh, even though it had never rained before on the earth. You can imagine how much faith that took to do that. Uh, verse 9 says that, that Abraham picked up and, and moved his whole family because the Lord told him to, not even knowing where he was going. Uh, you know, it's like just heading in the direction. There's no GPS, nothing. While Sarah, Abraham's wife, received the power to conceive uh, a child, even though she and Abraham were, were very old, uh, they, they were actually as good as dead as it's put in this, in this passage. They were likely over 100. Um, that's, that's crazy. Uh, Noah and Abraham, they were both promised that God would make a, make a huge nation out of them. As many as the stars of heaven and the grains of sand on the shore. But they never saw that in their lifetime. Verse 13 says that they died in faith, not having received what was promised in their lifetimes. So, so why, did, why did they do that? What, what kept them going? Yeah, I think you really see, I think in verses 14 and 15, where the answer is. You know, he, he talks about they, they see themselves as strangers and exiles, and that people that speak thus make it clear that, that they are not thinking of their current circumstances. You see, you know, why would you build a boat when you've never seen rain, if you're Noah, or you've never even heard of a flood? Or why would you, like Abraham, just leave your home when you are perfectly comfortable? Uh, and why would you, if you're Sarah, get your hopes up about having a baby? When, I mean, the text is like, just really puts it out there. Like, they're as good as dead. Like, why would you hope in that? <laughs> um, and, and I think it, you really just see that they are not looking at their current circumstances. They are seeking a better heavenly homeland. Uh, and, and I think, too, you see that the author doesn't just talk about people in poor circumstances considering themselves strangers and exiles. You know, if you jump down to verses 24 and 25, you see, you know, that Moses, a, a Hebrew baby who was supposed to be killed, ended up being adopted by the Egyptian royal family. But when he grew up, he left behind all the riches of Egypt because he would rather be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And I think if you just look at his circumstances, it doesn't make sense to do that. You know, why would he leave all of that behind? And, and, it, and the text says it's because he understood there was a greater reward and he valued Christ more highly. Yeah, similarly for us, I, I think that this uh, is certainly a time to remember that as people of God, we are, we are strangers and, and, and exiles in this land in this world. Uh, there, there's so many people right now that are, they're looking at their circumstances. They're looking at the world around them and, and despairing, uh, that the panic that's happening perhaps and acting according to, to just our circumstances. Uh, it might look like some of what you've seen, uh, the, maybe the stockpiling that people are doing or the, just the retreating from all community, um, giving into the, the, the bitterness of, of plans that have, have been taken away. Uh, but friends, that, that is certainly not the answer 
during times like these. And uh, ne- neither is the answer acting like nothing has happened, just not caring at all. Like th- those are uh, neither of those are the answer. Uh, but through faith in Christ and in God's word, we, we have another option. We can choose to believe that God is still working and continue by faith. I don't know if you guys were doing a little bit of observation as we were reading that passage, but that was the repeated phrase, by faith, by faith, by faith. That's what kept these people going. And so by faith, we too can, can, can choose to believe that God is, is still in control. People might be going crazy, but God's still in control. By faith, we can choose to, to believe that this, this pandemic, this disease, cannot undo what, what Christ has done. By faith, we can, we can find confidence and comfort knowing that there comes a day when, when all sickness, all suffering, and all death will come to an end. By faith, we can choose to respond differently. You see, friends, it's by faith that we can have hope in what we do not see, as the passage said, because even though we are not yet in our eternal home, we know that's where we're headed. We know that's where we're headed. And our our confidence, it it does not come from anything of this world. It it does not come from the government. It does not come from any of the resources that we gathered or the huge pile of uh, toilet paper that people have in their basement. Uh, It it doesn't come from our, our family's ability to remain calm. Our confidence is in the love of Christ, who is not of this world. As Paul says in Romans 8, one of my favorite passages, he said, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so, friends, our assurance comes from knowing that Our true home is with Christ who loves us and has defeated sickness and death on the cross. So that is our our first point, that that this world is not our home. Yeah, and as we think of, so this world is not our home and we can have surety about the future, um, that doesn't mean that this world for us is very unpredictable as everyone has experienced this week. (laughs) Uh, You know, we know that God is sovereign, uh, but we aren't God, and so we don't know what is what is going to happen. And, you know, even this week, I feel like every time we've made a plan, like, something <laughs> has then happened where we're like, never mind, we can't, we can't do that. Uh, or, like, this isn't going to happen, or we need to be creative. And, and so because of the effects of sin in this world, the world is broken. And from our perspective, that means it's often unpredictable. And I think it, you can really see that if you look at verses 32 through 38, well, even 33, where he talks about, you know, some of, some people get to enforce justice and obtain promises and, and they get to glorify God through some really heroic things uh, that, that kind of sound, I don't know, more, more exciting. But, but then if you, you keep reading, you also see in 35 and 36, 37, Uh, that other people glorify God in the midst of real tragedy and suffering. You know, there's, there's torture, there's mocking, there's chains, there's brutal executions, and there's poverty. And so, so you really see that for some people, their life, you know, is a hero. For other people, their life is a martyr. And, uh, and we know the Lord has a plan, but we don't really see from the individual's perspective why that really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
kind of reminds me of the uh, towards the, the end of of Jesus's life, and he's talking to to Peter and John, and uh, he uh, excuse me, uh, he, Jesus tells Peter basically that he he is also going to be be crucified, um, and and Peter is somewhat taken aback by that. He says, "Well, if that's going to happen to me. What, what's going to happen to John? What about him?" And Jesus replies. If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. So Jesus is saying, don't, don't worry about the other guy. My will for each of your lives is going to play out just the way that I want it to. You just have to follow me. And, and we do see that in Acts that Peter is crucified. Uh, he actually does it upside down because he didn't want to be crucified in the same way that, that his Lord and Savior was. Um, but we also see um, throughout the rest of Scripture that John goes on to live a very long life. You have First, Second, and Third John, the Gospel of John, and as we've been studying with Joel, the Book of Revelation is written by John. And so, what Jesus told Peter comes true. Yeah, and so I think you see Jesus saying, you know, whatever God has given us in life is an opportunity to glorify Him, uh, and so. It doesn't really make sense to play the comparison game because what God has for one person might be different for another and in our time might be different in a different time. And so I think thinking about, well, how does that apply to us? I think for many of you, uh, some of you may not like being at home right now. That might be really difficult. Um, others of you might not mind it at all. You know, you're getting extra family time and that's a good thing for you. Uh, some of you might be really stressed, and some of you might be really enjoying the downtime. Um, and and some, for some of you, this particular crisis has meant a lot of loss for you. You know, it, for our seniors even, the closure means, you know, potentially losing graduation, losing time. Um, you know, whereas maybe for some of you younger students, losing half a semester um, doesn't quite hurt so much. And so I think it's important for us as a community to remember that wherever we're at, if you are a Christian, you follow Jesus. And so I think as we endure this, we, we need to resist playing the comparison game or even going down the thoughts of like, oh, I wish I wasn't a senior or I wish I wasn't living at home or I wish this sibling was not so annoying or I don't know, you know, like or so-and-so has it so much easier. Um, I think that that just really doesn't get us anywhere, you know, so we live to glorify God. And so I think for the believer, I mean, we've talked about this already, but what it looks like is praying, you know, like this is a huge time where the people of God are praying, you know, especially in America, like I haven't seen them in a long time. Um, and he, God is the only one that can really do anything to change our circumstances. Um, we have the opportunity to love others. You know, part of glorifying God might be being gracious to your family, being gracious as multiple people try to find a quiet place in the room to do work <laughs> from home. Uh, you know, so loving others, our circumstances don't negate the call to love others or, or even to make disciples, to find ways virtually to continue to be connected with the people from LVC that you've been connected to. And I think even be hopeful, like our hopefulness is a testimony to our faith in Christ that we, we do have faith that even though the world is unpredictable, because we're strangers and exiles, we don't have to put our hope in our plans or our circumstances. And it leads us to our third point, and we can believe that because 
God is providing something better. Yeah, so our third and final point, God is providing something better. I don't know if you guys caught it, but three different times in this passage, the, the author of Hebrews says that God is providing something better. You see, for the first time in verse 16, God is providing a better country for those who belong, uh, who long for a heavenly homeland. Verse 35, you see, God is providing a better life through resurrection. And then verse 40, God is providing something better for us than our current experience. God is providing something better than what we have in this current world. Yeah, and I think the question if you're reading this passage is, well, if he keeps saying God is providing something better, why do we need something better in this current world? And I think if you look at this passage over and over again, you see we need something better because this world is full of death and decay. Like, I don't know if you noticed in this passage, I might not read them all, but like starting in verse 3, Abel died. His faith lives on, but he died. Uh, Enoch was spared death because he was faithful in verse 5. Verse 7, Noah and his family was saved from death, but there was a lot of death going on around that time. You know, verse 12, Abraham was as good as dead, but was given a son. Uh, verse 13, Abraham and others died not seeing what God had given them. Uh, you know, verses 21 and 22, Jacob and Joseph, they die without ever seeing what God promised them. And so it goes on. If you, if you really sit through and count this passage over and over again, you see death. And the presence of sin in this world has brought about so much death. And, and I know that in Western culture, we usually try to distance ourselves from death as much as possible. You know, even... We try to hide our aging, uh, and, and we, we don't even want to see the decay, because decay even hints that death exists. But death is, is always there and is a reality, and I think times like this, when, when we see a global pandemic, we do remember that death is a huge problem in this world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so true. Um, but the good news of the gospel is that God did not leave us stuck in that situation. He did not leave us stuck with, with sin and death. Uh, also woven throughout this passage, if you guys picked up on it, is the, the beautiful idea of resurrection. Throughout the Bible, we see glimpses of God's plan to, to defeat death. People being saved from death, as we saw here. People being resurrected from the dead. Abraham, though he didn't exactly know what God's plan was, ultimately put his faith in a God who could raise the dead as he offered up his son Isaac. We see God's salvation through Jesus. And friends, some, some of you may, may not believe in Jesus. I don't know where all of you are at spiritually. Um, some may be doubting and, and, and pondering, like, how could, how could God allow this in the first place? But friends, what, what if we looked at it from another perspective? God himself has entered into our world and our space as Jesus to deliver us from death. He's already done something about it. Sin exists because we, mankind, chose it. Just like Adam and Eve, we have all tried to control our own lives, to, to play God of our world, and, and really have, have disregarded God and, and his authority and his sovereignty. We have sought selfishly to make ourselves the king and queen of, of our kingdom. And, and in a general sense, in the big picture, disease exists because of our sin. Because of man's sin. 
But God does not leave us there. Our God is merciful and he does not leave us to despair without hope. Those who put their hope in Jesus, we, we know that, that the suffering is not for nothing. And the suffering is not eternal. We can have hope that, that a better homeland, a better life are coming because of God and what he did through Christ. Yeah. And I also think it really is important to point out that um, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then these promises of better don't actually apply to you. You really are stuck in unpredictable darkness. But God is rich in mercy and grace, and he longs to give life to any and all who call on him. And I love in this passage, you see that it doesn't matter where you come from or what your background is. You know, look at some of the people in this passage. If you're familiar with some of these stories, we have Enoch, like the most faithful guy maybe ever, and Rahab, the prostitute. And they're given the same grace and the same resurrection life because it's through Jesus and on the basis of him. And so Jesus is the perfect substitute for each and every one who calls on him. And so I do think it's important that if you're not in Jesus, none of this hope applies to you. But Jesus offers that. And maybe something like this is the moment where you've been on the fence and you've been doubting. And, and, and it is a moment to realize, yeah, I don't want to be stuck in this world full of death. And I really do want resurrection life. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point. Just when you think about like, who God's grace has been made available to. It really is anybody. Like you mentioned, Rahab being a prostitute. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. Like, there's just so many examples of how the Lord uses and draws sinful people to himself. And so that really is out there for anybody. And friends, as we uh, move towards our conclusion here, just a few things to think about as, as we think about some applications from this passage. Um, I think that times like these uh, are a good time to just hit the pause button. And it's sometimes a, a test of, of what we are putting our faith in. Maybe you have struggled with that with yourself or you've seen it in other people. Uh, because we all put our faith in something. That is, that is a fact. We, maybe we put our faith in something other than God, but we always put our faith in something. And for some people, maybe you've seen it or experienced it yourself. They put their faith in, in the government. Like, as long as the government provides, we'll be okay. Or, or even in our family. Like, as long as we stay unified, we'll be okay. Or, or even just in ourselves. Like, as long as I just keep a level head, I'll be okay. We hope that, that things will work out because of what we've done. We try to take control but, but that is a very weak thing to put our faith in because in the, very, in the end, like, we have no control over this. The fact that this, this virus is spreading is because man just does not have control over the things in the same way the Lord does. So we can, we can choose to put our faith in, in ourselves or, or people or we can put our faith in the, in the only one who really can do anything about it, and that's the Lord. He's really the only one who has the ability to, 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 to take on the problems that we face. And we know that because he already has through Christ. Friends, if, if our faith is in Jesus and what he's done and what he promises, then, then death, death does not have the final say. Death does not have the final say. Christ does. Because, I mean, for some of you, you, you are not necessarily at the risk 
of death. You know, you might get a, a little cough even if you get sick at all. Um, but maybe you know someone who, who is maybe more at risk. It, it's more likely that you are, you are facing the, the, the death or decay of, of just maybe plans or hopes that you had. These dreams that you had built. You see them dying right before your eyes. You see, in one way or another, we all face disappointment in life and in this world. And we, we may not see our hopes and dreams realized or fulfilled in the same way that the people of this passage never got to see some of those promises come true. Death comes in, in different forms, but, but if we put our hope in Jesus, death does not have the final say. Yeah, and so I think, you know, if you've been around the church and you've heard this passage before, sometimes this chapter gets referred to as the hall of faith, like almost like a hall of fame. But I really think that that is missing the point. You know, these people aren't superheroes. They're just people. They're fellow sinners who aren't perfect, but they're putting their hope in a perfect God. Mm -hmm. And Honestly, if you're looking for something to read in your quiet time, I would really encourage you to look up some of these people and read their stories because you will find that they're not perfect or unwavering. I mean, Sarah, like, straight up mocks an angel when he tells her that she's going to have a baby. Moses murders somebody and then runs away, fearful to return to Egypt until God calls him out and, like, told him to. You know, if you read the stories of Gideon and Barak, like, honestly, <laughs> mighty man of faith is not what you would label them as. Yeah. And so I think it's important to read these stories of these people that have come before us because you realize that as you look at them, living by faith doesn't mean being like stoic and unwavering and I am never going to struggle. <laughs> what you really see when you look up these people's stories is that living by faith means repenting of sin. It means obeying God. It means coming to God with anxiety and uncertainty and talking to the Lord about it. And it means ultimately enduring our current circumstances, knowing that if we are in Christ, we will raise again to a better life. Yeah, and part of why Hebrews 11 is even in the Bible is actually to serve as an encouragement to us. And I know that because if you pop down to the first few verses of chapter 12, look at it. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and that he means all the people that have been mentioned that have come before us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised its shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. You know, friends, enduring this season is really going to be a marathon and not a sprint. And that's okay because the Lord has been faithful to generations and generations of people that have come before us. Mm 